Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. It's Monday. What a great way to start my Monday. I love this show because it makes me happy because I talk to smart, interesting, savvy, articulate, creative people. No pressure on my four guests. I have four today. Usually have three. It's May 15th. Oh my goodness. Where is the year going? What can I say? But before we get started with anything, I've instructed my guests to help me greet somebody special. We do a shout out every week. I think they've all heard the show because they all seem to know. So ladies and gentlemen, put up your hand in the shape of an L. And we're going to say on the count of three, hello, L, L, L. See if you can match my pace. One, two, three. Hello, L, L, L. Wow. Andrew, my engineer, I think that was the best. Every week, they just beat the people from the previous week. I don't know what's getting into my guests. This is just really good. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She's been listening for years. And every night at 8.01 p.m. Eastern Time, she will email me. And she's going to tell me how much she enjoyed the show. And she's going to give me a little synopsis of what each of my special guests said on the air. We, have, we met years ago at a dance class and then at some ballroom dances. She's still dancing there. I've moved to all over the place since then, but she's still dancing and she's just a really nice lady. She's very tall. So we call her lovely lanky Laura Legs. There you go. And she is fine now. She was under the weather, but she's feeling better. So today is May 15th. It's the 135th day of 2023. I don't know if any of you are aware, but Gregorian was a pope and he didn't like the Julian calendar. And he said, well, I'm going to do something about that leap year day. I think it needs to be once every 400 years. So he went ahead and changed it. So I call him one of our early creatives. I think his mother probably called him Greg or Gregor or Greggy before he became a Pope, but we thank him for whatever he did to the calendar. 230 days are left in the year. This is the 20th Monday. I'm the only one who really cares about that, but I'm guessing for my guests, Jay and Schiffer, I'm not introducing you yet, just first names. I'm guessing you look like people who might enjoy a glass of Kahlua. And I'm guessing you're going to make your own homemade Kahlua for New Year's that's coming up in six months and change. Start soon, Shifra and Jay, start soon. Get the ingredients because it takes a while for the flavors to meld and blend. You want really good Kahlua. Chris, <laughs> I, I, I know a little bit about you. I met you at the Publicity Summit a long time ago, didn't invite you on the show, much to my chagrin, am I embarrassed? And I met you again, and here you are, and I'm very excited to have you. I'm going to guess, Chris, because you were a pro wrestler, and well, we'll talk later about what you've done. I'm guessing man of the world. I'm guessing you might have in your family history a still from some bootleg whiskey somewhere. You're going to probably get the still out, and you're going to recreate some bootleg whiskey, and you're not going to tell anybody about it. That's going to be for New- your New Year's Eve. Sarah, I'm guessing... <laughs> You're going to go for some high-end champagne. I just have a feeling looking at you. And I'm telling you now that the online liquor stores are going to be selling out very early because the world is coming back from a very, very bad period for several years. And everybody's going to be really happy to welcome 2024. So, Sarah, order thy champagne soon. Okay, I'm just giving All you right. a 
So now, is anybody born under the sign of Taurus? Any of my guests? That's May. Let's see what the dates are. April 20th to May 21st. We're almost done. Taurians, I'll tell you, you may be at heart a Taurian, even if your birthday is not. So just listen up. They enjoy relaxing in serene, bucolic environments surrounded by soft sounds, soothing aromas, succulent flavors. Does that describe any of you? Anybody like all that stuff? What do you think? <laughs> Jennifer's not sure what I said. She's saying, I don't know. That doesn't sound like me. I like Chris, the aromas. <laughs> the aromas. Chris, are you in with that? Are you, you're on a very Sarah, what about you? Does that sound familiar? I mean, yeah, I think it's a little relaxation. <laughs> I think it does. There's only one problem. Torians are steadfast, loyal, devoted friends and lovers, but they're stubborn. They stick around too long in the wrong relationship, the wrong job, the wrong house. They just want to prove a point. They're very stubborn. So in case you are, uh, well, you're not Torian, so we won't make you honoraries if that doesn't sound good. It's also ruled by Venus. It's the most sensual sign of the Zodiac. Well, you can claim that if you want. Cher is a Torian. Kelly Clarkson, Janet Jackson, Tina Fey, George Clooney, Renee Zellweger, Barbara Streisand. Do I have to go on and on and on? Adina Menzel and Sam Smith. That's all I'm going to read. So now, it's time for me to introduce my four guests who are very patient with me. I'm going to read your name and just wave. It's not time for you to give your bio yet. So Shifra Burke and her, she gives me S-H-I-F-R-A, but she spells it S-Z-I-F-R-A, Shifra Burke. She is a personal and professional connector. I like that way you put that, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, you're next. I like the way Shifra put that. <laughs> she's an executive leadership coach. I'm still talking about Shifra. She's an author and she's a tandem biker. We're going to find out about that in a minute. I went to your website, Shifra, and I noticed what your clients are saying about you. And I have to put this in. They say that you're a persistent pain in the butt, but it's just what they need. So Shifra... <laughs> I think we all would like that from our clients. I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but it's public knowledge, or at least it's you put it on the website, not my fault. So Shifra, welcome. Happy to have Thank you here. Thank Next you. we go to Sarah Ting. Hello, Sarah. She's the president and founder of World Unity Inc., and she'll tell us all about that. She's a TEDx speaker. Great respect for that. She's an author. She's the principal of Sarah Ting and Associates. She'll tell us about that. She's a former freelance TV reporter. Yay! And she is a poet in residence teaching poetry. I have a little story to tell you about poetry, Sarah, when we get around to your bio. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Welcome, Sarah Ting. So nice to have you here. Then we have Jay Livingston sitting right next to Shifra because they share a computer, because they share a house, <laughs> because they're married. And Jay is the co-author with Shifra, it wasn't in your bio, Shifra, of In Tandem, Pedaling Through Midlife on a Bicycle Built for Two. He's a business author. He's a coach. He's a dog behaviorist. We have to talk about that. My my two puppies, my grandpuppies need a little bit of don't bark at the people outside the window of the RV when they're traveling cross country. I'm having a problem with that. And he's a developer of nonprofits. Jay, welcome. And we have an interesting story about your name when we get to the quote you're sharing with us today. So there you go. And Dr. Chris Whaley. Chris, wave hello. Chris overcame polio as a child he didn't just overcome it to walk or run. He became a professional wrestler. Oh, my goodness. He is now a pastor. He's the author of The Masked Saint, which was made into an award-winning film, and it's now available for streaming. And he's going to tell us 
all about that when we get to him. So welcome to the four of you. I'm absolutely delighted to have you here. Met you all at the Publicity Summit where I get, you know, 99.9% of my guests for the show. Happy to have you. So let's go around the table. I'm going to put Schiffer on full speaker view, except Jay's going to be there looking very handsome sitting next to her, but it's not your turn <laughs> yet, Jay. Okay, so you 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 can stay there. We don't want half. Of, oh, my God. He could, could he? Anyway, Schiffer, I'm putting you on speaker view. Do whatever you want with Jay. That's between you and him. I can't say anything. Shifra, take your three minutes. Tell us. Fill in all the blanks between the wonderful things I read about you. Shifra, welcome. Thank you. Hmm. Three minutes of wonderful things. So one of the things you asked about was creativity when we were prepping for this um, many months ago. And I have many places, I think, that creativity shows up. But I think primarily for me, it shows up in my interactions. And it's where I get the most um, joy from, from that kind of creativity. So... Um, it can show up literally in a line um, at the supermarket because someone attracts my attention. It's that connector thing. And that person could be three years old or 103 years old. And something happens that feels magical and interesting. And in that interaction, I think there is there's like a moment that shows up for me um, in which some part of me gets sparked and um, I don't know what else to call it besides, you know, creative and something sort of gets birthed. Um, So sometimes that person ends up being just a moment in time. Sometimes that person ends up being sort of a future daughter. We have one of those Um, and kind of everything in between. I was also thinking about creativity in my relationship with Jay, actually. Shefra, I want to stop you for a second because I want your real bio. I want to know what is it like? How did you become an executive coach? What Ah. do you do on the biking? You're a biker. You're a stoker. We'll get to all of that. It was wonderful what you said, and I appreciate it. But let's save that for the the roundtable part of the show. Okay. Tell me about your bio. What, what what does executive coach mean to you? Just briefly, and you mentioned on and off of bikes over 35 years. I, I want to know about that. Okay. So in terms of executive coach, so I started off as a psychotherapist, switched into, I brought the tools that a, a psychotherapist would have into the business community for um Everyone from the local photographer to the you know multi-million dollar CEO of a startup um, who knew that what they said and did really mattered. So communication they knew was going to be um, essential for their team to work optimally. And they often did not communicate really well, either a little too passive or rip your face off. <laughs> so um you know, figuring out how to how to come to the middle there was really is the primary work that I do with um, leaders of all kinds. So that's what the executive leadership coaching is. Looks like you have a question or a reaction. Yes, tell me about the biking. How did you get started in, in biking and what is a tandem bike like just briefly? Yeah, so um, I hadn't biked since high school. Jay started biking um, and... On my 60th, for my 60th birthday, I was like, you know what? I think we should get a tandem. And I had not literally been on a bike since um, high school. So 
I didn't want to do all the watching the road and all the other things you have to do when you're on a single bike. So I thought that the tandem might work. And it was a big experiment. And I'm almost 73. So we're 13 years into hundreds and thousands of miles um, on that bike all over the country. So lovely, very lovely. We'll talk about the book when we get to Jay. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Yes, there's something about not having to watch for the curbs. And yeah, you you let him, when, when you go to, uh, uh, well, fairs or festivals, you see people, two people sharing a, a lion costume or a horse con- costume <laughs> or a cow costume. There, there's one who's who knows where they're going and the other one doesn't have to look. They just follow behind. We'll leave that one alone. Thank you, Shifra, very much. Sarah Ting, let's hear from you. We'd love to know your bio. What does your organization do? What is the World Unity Foundation? Talk to me. Thank you. Um, The Sun Poem is really what has changed my life and led me to creating World Unity Inc. The poem reads as follows. Are you greater than the sun that shines on everyone? Black, brown, yellow, red, and white. The sun does not discriminate. So the field that I am in now and that I've been in for the, since 1980, well, actually since 1985 and 87, I started doing diversity inclusion training. And the poem has been in my training and led me to founding this organization and our mission to promote di- equality, diversity, inclusion by raising self-awareness through the sun poem and empowering and inspiring individuals through the arts, education, and innovative ideas. And so this poem also inspired a song. And now we have this wonderful program called Singing Equality Across America and Around the World. Babies are not born into the world with prejudice and biases. They learn it. So why not plant the seeds early through a song? And the children love the song. In fact, One child said when he sings it, it makes him feel like he can do anything. And then another child said when she sings it, one day the world will hear this song and it will stop discrimination. And the poem got put up on 60 digital billboards across the nation, right? 60 this year, 60. And it's the heart of the TED Talk that I gave, the heart of the TED Talk. And the Massachusetts Bankers Association, they're going to be creating what's called a diversity toolbox you're going to include my TED Talk in their diversity toolbox. And read recently, about a week ago, the Boston City Council passed a resolution unanimously recognizing the Sun Poem as a powerful tool to ignite change. Because at the end of the day, there's no law, policy, or technology that can remove people's biases. The individual has to do it. And what I'm trying to help America and the world know is this poem can help all of us become more aware of our unconscious biases so that we can grow personally and professionally. That is absolutely lovely. That's not giving back. That's paying forward, isn't it, Sarah? That's saying I'm making an investment, changing the heart and the mind before you change the tools and the businesses and everything else, all the accessories in our lives. Thank you very much, Sarah. Just tell me briefly, what was it like being a freelance TV reporter? Was that exciting? Well, it was because I got to do, what was great about it is I got to do my own stories because I was working for a public affairs show and I got to do stories that came up with solutions. And I actually got to do an interview 
at the peak of the AIDS epidemic. And I interviewed this young man, Filipino, and it was so sad because he had AIDS. And in, his, in the interview, he talked about walk, walking into a support group where there were about 200 people. He looked around the room, he goes, I can't be the only Asian with AIDS. So the purpose of doing that story was to help the greater community understand that in the Asian culture, there's a lot of secrecy and people don't like to share their mm. problems. They kind of suffer in silence. Very, very interesting. That's that's a public service. Yeah, Chris is shaking his head. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. They say you walk in a room and you want to say you want to see someone who looks like me, whoever the me is, whoever you are, to feel like you're part of something or you're not outside of whatever is happening. Thank you, Sarah. Wonderful work. Thank you so much. Let's go to Jay Livingston. Jay, it's her turn to be quiet now. You give us your bio and now you get to talk about the book. Jay, go ahead. <laughs> uh I have an interesting uh, uh, background in work. I, I started off uh, driving semis, went into emergency medicine, uh, started doing mental health work, uh, uh, became a dog trainer, became a delivery boat captain. Uh, I just always wanted to do different things. But uh, the thing that came through from high school and my running track was I didn't feel like an athlete. And so I started biking late in life and said, hmm, Maybe there's a way to, to, to become an athlete, as it were, for myself. And so I started doing endurance biking and uh, racing sailboats. And, and now I put a little pickleball on the side. And uh, so out of that, we got a tandem because Shepherd said she couldn't keep up with me. And I said, gee, on a tandem, <laughs> you'd never be more than like three or four feet behind me, right? So so, um, so we started riding the tandem and... and uh, put a lot of time um, on the road and discovered that, my goodness, something I'd never had in my life. I had some muscles, actually. And uh, that was just not my self-image. So it's been kind of fun to to become, as it were, an, an athlete in, in later life. Um, in, the, in the process, uh, did a lot of work with uh, nonprofit leaders and uh, and company leaders and whatnot as an executive coach, because uh, some of the things I was learning about myself, it was good to kind of reflect back at them and they could uh, could uh, learn some lessons, not from me, but from, from looking at their own experiences. Jay, I lost count at how many careers you've had. Do you have a number? Was it seven? <laughs> was it 12? Was it 15? Oh, it, it, it's more than 12. You don't want to know all the little ones. <laughs> so, so is there is there something built into you from when you were a child? Something built in that says, "Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I think I will. I think I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I did." Is is there I, something in your DNA that makes you say, "I think I can do whatever I want to do"? That's where that, I'm that, going with this. The the only part of my DNA that I would say that is is that my mother uh, died last month at 101, and she she was ready to go. She was not happy about it, but that was it worked well. Um, so there was some real persistence there. Um, other than that, no, I was a shy, um, hesitant kid. And I just said to myself, um, if you're afraid of something, if you're shy about something, if you're anxious about something, you better go do it. You better find a way to get comfortable with it. So 
There you go. You've certainly had a, a diverse range of experiences in what you've done. By the way, my mom lived to 100 years, one month, 15 days. And she passed away in my arms one night. She didn't have an age. She didn't want any help. Lived alone, played the piano, played bridge, played mahjong the day before. She had a cough. And she couldn't, couldn't, she lived five minutes away. She said, I can't get my pillows fluff one night. And said, come on over, please help me, help me get to sleep. It had just snowed. My sports cars don't drive in snow. It was a miracle, Chris. The road was clear. There wasn't one drop of snow on the ground. I rode to her house. I got in, went up to her apartment on the 19th floor. She used to tease my boyfriends. If you, fool, if you mess up with my daughter or if you make her upset, I'm throwing you off the balcony on the 19th floor. My mother was a pisser. Anyway, and they said, yes, we'll be real nice to... Yes, anyway. So um, I, I helped her fluff her pillow. And I said, listen, if you had an aide, I wouldn't have to come out at 11 o'clock on a snowy night. And she said an obscenity to me and gave me the finger because she was feisty. And she said, fluff the pillow. I can't, I can't, I can't. And she, I need more Robitussin. Well, she coughed. The cough was shaking the building. It was that bad. I said, I'm getting an ambulance. She said, no, just fluff my pillow. I fluffed the pillow. She lay back. She looked at me. She said, I can't breathe. And she died in my arms. Mm-hmm. Took her to the hospital. They nine nine EMTs ranging in weight from about one sixty five to three sixty five. There was more testosterone in that room. They got permission to inject her heart with some kind of a chemical that got her on a ventilator. Took her into the hospital. I followed. They gave us a beautiful medical ICU suite, and we kept her for about another twenty four hours. But a hundred years, one month, and four and fifteen days, and it was same thing. Jay, they, they, there was something about that era. Her best friend Gertrude lived to 104. My best friend Pat's mother is 103. And what was in the water? They didn't watch their cholesterol. They once in a while they smoked, they drank, they did whatever they wanted, right, Schiffer? We didn't have rules back in those days. These women did whatever they and they just I think we've just poisoned ourselves with chemicals. I'm I'm not an evangelist on that. Thank you very much, Jay. Pleasure to meet you. I'm very I only have about seven or eight careers. I'm way short of, of what you've done, but yeah, I probably have a few more I could add. Chris Whaley, you've been so patient. Thank you very much we want to talk to the masked saint go ahead tell me uh, you're upbringing. Uh, go ahead it's all yours you know i have been so blessed to live a creative and fantastic life it didn't start off that way uh as a uh, as a child I, I was in a very dysfunctional home my dad was a long distance truck driver and a fifth degree redneck uh, my, uh, my mom, uh, he had a third grade education. My mom had a seventh grade education. So education was not pushed in my household, mm-hmm. but, uh, I was kind of an embarrassment to my dad because I was that sickly kid in and out of the hospital, uh, mostly with pneumonia. And then in the fourth grade, I had a uh, polio viral encephalitis. I was in the hospital for three months and you, you look for, you know, for help as a child, but, uh, you're the only one in the room because in those days they just kind of quarantined you and the, even the nurses would come in with the full gowns and stuff. And so I, I had to be very creative and you look for, uh, you look for hope and everything as a child. And, uh, I watched TV and I, I fell in love with professional wrestling and I just couldn't get enough of it. Um, I had a wonderful doctor who refused to allow me to give up, and he finally found out what was wrong with me. I, I was allergic to everything. 
And so um, they put me on this medication that I took up until uh, I was a senior in college and my body started to change. I started to put on weight. Uh, he's the one who got me going to the gym and I love going to the gym. Even now I love going to the gym and he got me on the right direction. And uh, here I was, uh, I, I met my my wife, when I was 16 years old, she is my high school sweetheart. We've been married 48 years. Mm. And uh, she was a high school math teacher. And I was looking for uh, a position in a church. And she was teaching at her alma mater. And I picked up the Tampa Tribune one day and it said, wanted professional wrestlers. I jumped out of my seat. I ran over to my wife who was grading papers and I said, look, look. And she looked at it and rolled her eyes and went back to grading papers. So I packed a bag. I drove over to Tampa, walked in, and there was one of the biggest villains that I had ever watched while growing up, uh, the great Malenko. And uh, I had the wonderful pleasure of being trained by the great Malenko, who trained some of the biggest names in the business and uh, the the moment I walked into that wrestling gym, I was hooked. The moment I got into the ring, I was hooked. And I, I had the opportunity to wrestle for 10 years, 1978 to 1988, and uh, wrestled four world heavyweight champions. Uh, my last three years in wrestling was while I was in seminary. So I would go to seminary in the daytime, and I would wrestle at night. And it was just a, a great, great world. Uh, and then when I went to my first church, I, uh, I I met some people who were not doing nice things. I had a wonderful, precious young mom with two kids, and she came to church one day. She had two black eyes, and it just infuriated me. Uh, I found out it was her husband, and I told her I was going to go visit him, and she cried, and she said, no, he'll hurt you. And I said, I'm not worried about it. And so I went to his house. I said, uh, you know, I just wanted to see how you would do against someone who was able to fight back. Because any man that would hit a woman is a is a complete dirtbag. And uh, I can't believe you would hit the mother of your children. So come on outside. I want to see how you do against somebody who could fight back. And so we we danced in the parking lot and it was wonderful. I got rid of all my stress and. Uh, <laughs> Then I just started having, I started having incident after incident after incident where I handled things more as a professional wrestler than as a pastor. And I wrote a book about it, uh, it, it called The Mass Saint. And the book was made into a, an award-winning movie. Uh, it was in theaters in January of 2016. Uh, then it was on Netflix for three years, and currently it is on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime or you have Tubi or PureFlix, you can watch The Mass Saint tonight. And who played you in The Mass Saint movie, Chris? A young man by the name of Brett Grandstaff. Uh, he was in several Bruce Willis movies. He had some MMA experience. He was a, a pretty good athlete. He did... Uh, he did all of his own stunts except for three of them in the movie, and uh, he did a great he did a great job. Uh, can I? Oh, I forgot one thing. Can I yeah, put it? Yeah, sure. In? Yeah. Please. Okay. Uh, while growing up, I had a wonderful mentor. She was a precious little African American lady in in my life. Her name was Miss Edna. Now, in the movie, she's played by Diane Carroll, and they bring her up to real life. But she's actually from my childhood. And every chapter of my book has a lesson that I learned from her. 
Uh, she used to love to quote Edmund Burke. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And uh, because of everything I learned from her, I could not do nothing. I had to do something to help. And uh, she was the inspiration in my life. Thank you. Diane Carroll, quite an elegant lady and an actress and a performer. That goes oh, yeah. way back. I have to tell you, Chris, am I the only one, the first one ever to tell you how much you resemble Bob Newhart? You look just like him. Yeah. No, no. Right? I, I typed that in the chat to Jay and Schiffer. I had to tell somebody. <laughs> do, do you all agree he looks like Bob Newhart? You do that. That's Okay, let me tell you. I was in a Yeah, go ahead. I was in a restaurant the other day with the the world champion, the AIWA champion. We were eating lunch, and this this uh, young Asian guy came over to me, and he said, "I hate to interrupt you, but are you Rudy Giuliani?" <laughs> <laughs> That's an I, I I wouldn't have said that. No, no, we're, we're gonna we're gonna go with Bob Newhart, right, kids? That's okay. we're just. We're just going to stay there. That That's a safer one. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Lovely to meet. Jay, the only profession you haven't done is pro wrestler. You got to catch up with Chris. My I, goodness. I got knocked out once. Does that help? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, you, you could have done it after that. Thank you all for the bios. I'm very impressed with all of you. Let's see if we can go quickly through. I was going to say, let's cycle through. And I'm calling this, in honor of you, Shifra and Jay, I'm calling this episode Cycles of Creativity. I take one guest's theme every week. I have to come up with, you know, it's like the 299,000th show. I have to come up with a different title for it every week. So yeah. I called it Cycles of Creativity in Honor of You. There you go. So let's do the quotes. I've asked each of you to send me a quote from a fictional character in a movie or TV show or a song lyric. And I've done a little research. I'll read it very quickly. And I want you to tell us very briefly, keep it to two minutes. We have a lot to do here. We have a full house today. Uh, and tell me what it has to do with your creativity. So Shifra Burke has picked a quote from a 1952 song written by Hank Williams song producer and publisher Fred Rose and elderly New Yorker Ed G. Nelson. I don't know why they put that in there. The name of the song is Setting the Woods on Fire. It was recorded at Castle Studio in June 1952 in Nashville. It peaked at number two. The B-side was You Win Again, reached number 10. And in 2007, an episode of The Batman was released called Two of a Kind, in which Joker and Harley Quinn sing the song while causing chaos in Gotham City. Talk about enduring. Here are the lines that Schiffer has picked from Setting the Woods on Fire. We'll put aside a little time to fix a flat or two. My tires and tubes are doing fine, but the air is showing through. Schiffer, did I do that okay? You did that great. <laughs> Thank you. Two minutes. Tell us how you picked that. Go ahead. So I was um, trying to be funny and interesting. And I, in addition to the um, tandem, I picked up the ukulele um, so after, my, after my 60th birthday. And when I was visiting somewhere, they played that song. So it cracked me up that, you know, we've got air and tires and flats and um, part of the, the work that Jay and I do um, or did when we were writing this book was think about how, um, how life off the tandem and life on the tandem resemble each other. So examples are that you're riding along, it's smooth, it's great, everything's fine, and then suddenly... Psh, 
and you've got this flat tire. Very much like Jay and I would be having a very nice interaction. <laughs> Everything's going along just fine. One of us says one thing, it trips off some kind of other thing in the person from whatever their history is. And pss, suddenly there's a flat tire at best, um, hopefully not a blown one in the interaction, right? So that's how I picked the Thank you. Very, very charming. I'm glad I did a good read of it. I actually don't, I just do a cold read and I just got into it. So thank you very much. Sarah Ting has picked a very beautiful song. It was recorded in 1965 by Jackie DeShannon and then later on by Dionne Warwick. The lyrics are by Hal David, music composed by a gentleman who left us very recently, Burt Bacharach. Um, Let's see, it peaked at number seven on the U.S. Hot 100 in July and number one in Canada. And the song had, I don't know if you know this, Sarah, Burt Bacharach's autobiography said that the song had some of the most difficult lyrics Hal David had ever written. The main melody was in a waltz tempo. It took two years. Chris, you're going to appreciate this. I haven't read the song yet. The song is What the World Needs Now is Love. It, it took two years for Hal David to write, Lord, we don't need another mountain. After he found that line, they finished the song in two days. Interesting. There was a controversy about the song surrounding lyrics in the Vietnam War, and Burt Bacharach used the song for many, many years, but they were surprised at the success. They offered it to Dionne Warwick, and she said, I'm not going to do that song. Do you know why? It was too country, and it was too preachy. (laughs) Chris, that's for you. And she later recorded her album, Here Where There Is Love. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. So a lot, a lot, a lot of history to that song. So the line is, what the world leads now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. I try not to sing on the show, but I just can't help it. Sarah, forgive me. Sarah, how did you pick this line for your creativity? Go ahead. Because I truly feel that it is what the world needs. And I think uh, covid um, was a perfect example of how much we need it because the COVID really revealed the shortcomings our nation has and, and the most vulnerable, pe- vulnerable people, their uh, lives were revealed even more. And I, I think what saddens me greatly, deeply, is that we have normalized mass shootings. Every time when there's a mass shooting, my mm. insides are crying for the children. And I say to myself, we're not asking these deeper questions. What kind of culture do we have in America right now that we are producing mass shooters? Thank you very much. That's a, a big topic we don't typically cover on the show, but you're absolutely right. I don't disagree with anything you said. We do need love. We need a lot more than we've got right now. So. Yeah. Beautiful song, Sarah. Thank you, and I hope I did okay singing it. Come on, give yes, me a little did. pat on you the did back. A beautiful job. Thank you. Oh no, no, no! Don't applaud me, please. It'll it'll be of terrible results. I might sing again. It's just going to be awful. Jay Livingston. Now, Jay has picked a song from a TV show from 1961 <laughs> to 66. The song was it was on black and white TV, a sitcom, and the song was Mr. Ed the Talking Horse from the series. Now, what's interesting is the song was written by a man named Jay Livingston, not the Jay Livingston on the show today. Did you know that when you picked that song, Jay? Did you know Oh, that? yeah. Oh, and you I, did? Okay, okay. Jay, All right. 
It's Jay Allen Livingston. Jay Allen, and would, who are you? You're you're the Allen, or was this the other one? Both. Allen, both. both. Okay, so Jay Livingston and Ray Evans, and it was sung by Jay Livingston, who sang it under duress until a professional singer could be sound. The line from he picked from the show is from the song: "People yakety yak a streak and waste your time of day, but Mr. <laughs> Ed will never speak unless he has something to say." I love that. Anybody knows Mr. Ed, uh, interestingly enough, Jay, historically valid, historically of importance is that they put it into syndication before it actually had a TV network that embraced it. CBS picked it up after it had already been in syndication. This had never been done before. Um, The theme before it began, Mr. Ed has heard, can somebody (laughs) Winnie better than me? Before his human voice says, that's not to my credit. Before the human voice says, hello, I'm Mr. Ed. And the theme starts with the famous lyrics, a horse is a horse. Of course, of course, I won't even dare. Okay, so yakety yak and Mr. Ed has something to say. Jay, rescue me already. How does this have to do with your creativity? Please go ahead. I I, uh, (laughs) have a strong introversion streak. And uh, um, I find that uh, people, including my wife at times, just seem to enjoy talking. And I kind of enjoy the quietness. And for Mr. Ed to say it in song just cracked me up. So um, it, it, uh, it isn't something that I, I sing to myself all the time, but I occasionally sing it to myself and I enjoy hearing myself sing it. And then sometimes I can't hear other people talking. So it had strictly to do with, uh, my profession of listening and my inclination to be a listener. Inclination to be a listener. I like that very much. Yes. As, as the phrase goes, if I'm so inclined, right? <laughs> yeah. Lean over. Let's see what you're going to listen to me. I know there is value in learning to listen. Uh, I have all kinds of stories about that. I won't do it. Chris Whaley, you picked a line. One of my favorites, Lloyd Christmas played by the one and only very funny man, Jim Carrey. Speaking to Mary, played by Lauren Holly. The movie, of course, is Dumb and Dumber, 1994 buddy comedy film, directed by Peter Farrelly, who wrote the screenplay with Bobby Farrelly and Bennett Yellen, first installment in the Dumb and Dumber franchise. It's a story of Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunn, two dumb but well-meaning friends from Providence, Rhode Island, who set on a cross-country trip to Aspen, Colorado, to return a briefcase full of money to the owner, thinking it was abandoned as a mistake. It was actually left as ransom, blah, blah, blah. So the line he says to Lauren Holly's character, Mary, is, so you're telling me there's a chance? Chris, I love it. Go ahead, explain what it has to do with your cre- your creativity, please. You know, I, I loved Lloyd because he was such a positive person, even though he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. He, he, nothing got that guy down and he was positive about everything. And she says, you know, they got one in a million chance and he smiles and says, so you're telling me there's a chance. And that, that's me. I just don't give up on whatever I'm trying to accomplish. And no matter what someone's telling me that, you know, you've got a very slim chance of doing this. And I'll say, but you're telling me there's a chance. And so I just, I don't give up on anything. Uh, I'm not going to let anybody tell me I can't do something. I'm not going to let anybody tell me that it's impossible. Uh, 
even if you've got that much of an opportunity, you take that much and you deal with it and you accomplish what you want to accomplish. And so I'm just a, an optim, optimist uh, that nobody's going to turn into a, a, a negative person. I like that. We need more of that in the world, too, don't we? More, yeah. more positivity, more heart, more love. Right, Sarah? Yeah. More bicycles with air that are just going to keep going. And somebody who says, yeah, you can sit in the back. I'll ride the tandem in front. There we go. What a collaborative group we have today. Now, this is a surprise. We don't have a lot of fun, a lot of time left. We're going to have some more fun, though, is I'm going to pick one statement from each of you. You each kindly sent me four creativity statements. Jeffrey, you used a couple of yours when you were doing your intro, and that's fine. I'm picking one. I will read it to you. You don't have to go finding it in your notes. And I want you to take two minutes and just unpack it, as they say on the news show. Sarah knows what that is. So, Shifra, I'm looking at your statement number four. This is very interesting. I don't usually have married couples on the show, so this will be intriguing to my audience. You say, it's super fun to work with Jay, as his thinking plus my thinking brings us to a new level. He definitely potentiates my creativity, so I have a higher creativity quotient. I have never heard it put quite that way. Shifra, two minutes. Tell us. Very interesting. So what's really interesting is I had never heard it put that way either until I was putting it together for you. Good. And I hadn't thought about a creativity quotient or that that working with and living with Jay in part because he is you know, he's built built differently from me. The whole introversion, Jay goes deep. He's kind of a diver and I'm kind of a skimmer about how we do life. So when we're putting a project together and our book in tandem is a great example. Um, we would be Jay writes and then I edit pretty much every word. And then out loud, we read the new version together. And in that process, there's often something new that emerges. And that happens when we write. It happens when we talk about kids. It happens about our puppy. It happens about kind of everything. And so if I can be more patient, which is a job for me because I'm not naturally really patient, if I can be patient enough to listen to Jay's thinking all the way through, often the co- if, if this were a color, there's... You know, it might start off yellow and there's drops of blue and drops of green. And pretty soon, you know, there's orange and maybe it's even a deep shade of orange from the interaction. So that's really what I meant, that there's there's one plus one equals something bigger. Thank you. I'll tell you, many years ago when the publicity summit pre-COVID was in New York and I was living in New York, I, I had uh, I was one of the most popular media people there. Everybody lined up. I had 80 people sign up to meet me. It was I was the last one in the ballroom trying to get everybody done to so they could go to lunch. And I had a, a man and woman approached me and she said, I'm a cookbook author and uh, Southern cooking. And I said, who's this handsome gentleman next to you? Jay, I would have said the same thing to you if you were standing next to Schiffer. I just want you to know. And I said, who's she said, well, that's my husband. I said, well, what is he for? Said, well, he came with me and he's supporting me. I said, what does God do with the cookbook? She said, well, he tests some of the recipes and he named some of the desserts. And I said, well, here's the deal. I'm inviting both of you on my show and you're both going to be guests and you're both going to talk about the collaboration on the cookbook. And I want both of you. They were stunned. And I said, no, both of you. They had met in their 50s, by the way, 
through a dating site, and the first date was on a beach. And I thought that the whole thing was just quite a story. Anyway, so I'm happy to have a couple who collaborate. Very interesting. We, about, met, we met at about that same age. There you go. See, there is hope. There is hope. Okay, let's go to Sarah. I'm looking at your statement number four. This is interesting. Just take two minutes because I want to make sure we only have 10 minutes left. I know. So much to do with four people. You say creativity means being the author in creating your own life, following your heart, not letting anyone dictate what you can and can't do. You said when you bought your own home, it was unheard of at the time. Single women did not buy a home. You waited till you got married. Sarah, two minutes. Unpack this for me, please. Yeah, I realize that we are so conditioned by society, by the social norms, by our parents, by our peers, that we kind of lose touch with the voice that's inside of all of us that really knows the right path for us. And when we take the time to listen to it, then we march to the beat of our own drum. Too too many of us, I feel, don't tune into that voice that's within us. And we end up doing jobs that we really don't enjoy. And we even end up choosing the wrong partner to marry because we don't listen to that voice that's deep inside of each of us. So that's why I kind of wrote that. Creativity to me is about really tuning in to your divine self, which I believe all of us have. And that divine self helps us create the life we are, we truly want in our heart. Sarah, that's lovely. We used to call those red flags, right? You go out with somebody, you say, oops, there's a red flag. Oops, there's another one. Oops, oh, I think I'll marry him anyway. You fool, didn't you see the red flags? That means stop, don't proceed. That was not a yield sign. That was a go another direction. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it all filters in, doesn't it, Shifra? We all have these experiences. Thank you, Sarah. That was that was really interesting. Let's go back to Jay. I, I want to compliment Jay and Shifra. You're behaving very well sharing the camera. You're doing, he looks at her when she talks, she looks at him. Very, very well be. No, no. No, no, don't you dare go out of the shot. Jay says, and this is Jay, your statement number four. You say, I tend to judge my creative results from two viewpoints. Does it strike other people as interesting or unexpected? And does it feel like I've grown or changed a bit and the new thing is different than I might have done before? Either feeling satisfying and creative. Two minutes. Jay, talk to me. I like these. Um, it's it's easy for me to to write as some writers have called uh, you know my little darlings or or I think of them as my favorite children lines that are just oh they are just so precious and um, and then I read them by the third time and I go like uh, I don't think anybody else is going to think that's anything but sloppy um, and so it's it's been a real pull forward creatively to keep an audience in the side of my head and it's a supportive audience. You know, I'm not going to be trying to write for people who don't like what I do, but um, my humor gets tamped down a little bit in some ways. Uh, uh, The, the metaphors, uh, some of them I throw out. Um, So it's been very helpful to me to have this, this person as it were, this audience looking over my shoulder. Um, And, um, you know, in that process, the rewriting process, I find that that I grow and I really, I really enjoy that. And I end up liking what I've written. So it's it's kind of fun. So. Good. And it should be fun. Writing should be. I'm still working on my first uh, almost murder mystery thriller satirical. Really? Oh, my goodness. I need a new I need to use a nom de plume because if anybody knew I wrote it, 
I wouldn't be alive for too much longer. It's scathing satire. It's going to be very uh, funny, but it can't it can't go out under my name. Chris Whaley, I'm looking at your statements. I like number one. You say, I get my creativity more from the simple than from the complex. Chris, yeah. go ahead. Two minutes. Go. Well, you know, when when I was in school, you had to take I had to take four years of Hebrew, I had to take four years of Greek, I had to take philosophy, I had to take history, I had to take so many complicated courses, but yet what I have used the most to be creative with people that I am entrusted with are just simple stories. People, people, they, they grasp a simple story more than they do of anything complicated that you can put out. And so I've just, I've just, continue to use that uh, in just about everything I do is don't don't make it complex just just use it simple and uh, matter of fact I get more creative the the simpler it is the more creative I become and uh, I, I really uh, have a great time of coming up with the right stories that are going to be creative to get a point across thank you I would listen to you I, I like your delivery, Mr. Newhart. Oh, I'm sorry. You're always, very, you're always one of my favorites. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Really interesting. I want to run through a couple of uh, famous birthdays today and then a couple of holidays you've never heard of. You're free to laugh if you want, and then we'll, we'll close out. And, and you can all give a website where people can find you or your book if you'd like. So quickly, 87 years old today, Anna Maria Alberghetti. Does anybody remember the Italian lady who starred on Broadway? Uh, she won the Best Actress Tony Award in 1962 for carnival and the interesting chris she tied with diane carroll for the music musical no strings diane carroll was up for she, they, they both won the award uh anna marie alberghetti at six sang a concert on the isle of Rhodes with a 100 piece orchestra she performed at carnegie hall in new york at the age of 13 at 15 she was introduced to the audiences in frank capra's 1951 musical, Here Comes the Groom, starring Bill Bing Crosby. Can you believe that? 15 wow. years old. Yeah. Lenny Welch. Anybody remember Lenny Welch? These are all people still alive. 84, his his famous song was Since I, Since I Fell for You. I, 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 you made me leave my happy home. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, number four on the billboard in 1963. He sold a million copies in 1963. That's probably wow. worth millions and millions more. Lainey Kazan is 82 today. She was nominated for a Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Guest Actress in St. Elsewhere. She was featured in um, My Favorite Year, and she played Maria Portocalus Portocalus in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and in, in its sequel, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, blah, 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 Wedding 2. Okay, she played Aunt Frida on The Nanny. Chaz Palminteri is 71 today. Can you believe that? Um, Brian Eno, the songwriter, 75. David Krumholtz, who starred in Numbers, is 45. Andy Murray, the tennis player, is all of 36. My, they come and go. I have two social media stars. I'm going to knock your socks off. Young man named Dyler, D-Y-L-E-R. He's 22. He does raps, and he does content relating to other social media stars. He has his own sports company. Are you ready for this? He's 22. Sarah, he has 7 million followers on YouTube. Ooh. Only 7 million. But wait a minute, I'm going to hurt your feelings even more. On Tic Tac, there's a young man who's 21 today whose name is Chase Hudson, and he's known as Huddy, H-U-D-D-Y for Hudson. He lip syncs to songs from Justin Bieber and Pitbull. 
He became a member of some collaborative group on TikTok. On Instagram, he only had 10 million followers where he posts photos of himself with friends. But Chris, are you sitting down? Chris, Chris is going to get hurt here. I don't know about this. He has on TikTok, this Chase Hudson has 31 million fans. I know, I know. Um, today in 1957, Elvis Presley inhaled the cap from one of his teeth. It went down in his lung and he had to go to a hospital in L.A. and have it removed. In 1961, today, Brenda Lee, the, the singer, was a guest star in Make Room for Daddy with Danny Thomas on CBS. Wow. Um, let's see now, blah, 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 blah. In 1963, on this day, the Rolling Stones signed with Decca Records in London. The label had turned down the Beatles the year before. On this day in 65, Burt Bacharach married his second wife, Angie Dickinson. How about that? 15 years together. One more Rolling Stones album, Black and Blue, goes to number one and blah, 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 blah. Oh, here we go. In 2007, Taylor Swift is singing her song, Tim McGraw, at the Academy of Country Music Awards. Uh, she introduced herself to McGraw and his wife, Faith Hill, while she was performing on stage and all kinds of other things. Today is Bike to Work Week, Shifra and Jay. I don't know if you knew that. It's Bring Flowers to Someone Day. It's International Kangaroo Care Awareness Day. Sorry. It's National Chocolate Chip Day. I'm in for that one. National Nylon Stocking Day. Oh, I remember well. National Senior Fraud Awareness Day. We all have to be careful. That's Straw Hat Day, Vegetarian Week, National Volunteering Week and water saving week quickly let's get websites from everybody literally real fast jay and Schiffer, where do you want people to go in tandembook.com thank you they can all spell that sarah ting where do you want people to go worldsuvinc.org thank you very much chris whaley where should people go the mask them that's m-a-s-k-e-d the saint.com I like that. Well, I want to say thank you to Andrew, my engineer. Don't go away, everybody. We're going to talk afterwards. But here are my closing words. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. Trust me, it's good. Laugh truly. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Laugh with me. (laughs) Come on, force yourself. And never regret anything that made you smile. Finally, work like you don't need the money because nobody else really cares. You have to do it yourself. Dance like nobody's watching. When I was dancing, they were watching. Sing like nobody's listening. Sorry I sang. And love like you've never been hurt. We all have. Get over it. Let your heart regrow and regenerate. It'll happen. Money talks. Chocolate sings. La. And last but not least, and I stole this line from somebody else. Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red saying, bye-bye. We'll see you next Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.